let's break craziness down. That's right. It's the next episode of the Let's Break It Down podcast following up an absolutely crazy, insane, faith-restoring stage three, week three. It's Lemmings. It's Jay Will. We're here with you to, to walk walk on this journey of awesomeness together. We're going to bring you through it. But how are you doing, man? I'm doing great, dude. As I said yesterday, man, I'm pumped to do this episode. So much happened on Sunday. We just we need to get into it. Let's go. Let's go. It's just Let's just skip right to it. No, we're not going to skip right to it. We're going to get through the normal stuff, <laughs> the boring stuff. <laughs> So you are listening to the Let's Break It Down podcast, which can be followed across Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can't follow the podcast directly on Twitter, but you can follow our Twitter handle at Break It Down OWL, which is also our Instagram and Facebook handle. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, you can email it to us, OWL at gmail.com. This episode, the one you're listening to right here, right now, is going to be a recall of Stage 3 Week Three. We're going to get into some news, and then we're going to break down each of those matches for you and give you some quick reactions. And I don't have a whole lot else to say other than let's break it down. I've got you on my radar. Bringing us in on the news, Florida basically promoted the armament roster. <laughs> <laughs> So this At least happened the Wednesday before matches. So you're not going to see any of these guys in your match. If, you, if you're going back and watching them, you're not going to see them listed. But uh, you will see them in the future. Is that how you feel about it? It's a great question after Sunday. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, they probably needed to fill out the roster anyway since they traded away one of their starters plus two off of their academy team. And then you're talking about the fact that they just let all the Western players go. So they needed to fill out the roster to a certain extent. Um, But usually you don't bring people up unless you have an idea of what you're going to do with them. Otherwise they're going to sit on your bench and do things like bunny did, which was just, you know, leave. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how that pans out for them. But it's tough to say after how they looked on Sunday, whether they need to make any of those swaps or just continue working with the, the six, six guys that they had out there. That looked looked pretty good, honestly. So we'll get into that later. But um, I'm not really sure what to make of it, other than filling out the roster for the time being. I would, for me, I don't know if it's just filling out the roster. This feels like almost an attempt to capture a little bit of that Vancouver magic, um, just by promoting a roster. So they get three players, but they're also getting a head coach and an assistant coach. So they're bringing in a culture. They're bringing in a methodology. You know, they're they're kind of bringing in. You know, what I have to imagine is is something that they're going to set up for success in the future. So um, they bring in Unread and KH1 as both head coach and assistant coach, respectively. And then they bring in Carrion, Gargoyle, and DPI as tank, off-tank, and DPS. And these are all off of the armament roster from uh, contenders. So to me, if you're bringing in, you know, if it was just some players, I can understand fill, roster fill, but it's players and a head coach and an assistant coach, which means culture, methodology, you know, practice, schedule, all that kind of stuff is all going to change for them. That's fair. That's, that's really all I got. Honestly, 
you, you bring the coaches in, uh, assume the culture will change anytime you bring at least three coaches in. Like, my goodness, yeah. one coach isn't going to change much. Two is going to be eh. But when you're talking about three, you're, you're trying to change a lot of things. So that's a very fair assessment of that. I was just referring, obviously, to the playing side of that. For sure. All right. And we get the other side. So in the last podcast, we covered Shark joining the Toronto Defiant, which seemed odd because at the time we believed that MVIV Neko and those guys were still on the roster. <laughs> Turns out Envy wasn't on the roster. <laughs> um, so right before the matches kicked off on June 18th, they uh, the Shanghai, I'm sorry, the Toronto Defiant traded Envy to the Shanghai Dragons. So that must have been, I mean, I'm, it probably feels a little bit like a like a paperwork issue, like Shark was coming up and it was anticipated that MV was going over. It just didn't get submitted in time kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. I'm not in yeah, the front office, unfortunately, with right. to have some insider knowledge. We got to get, we got to get our little Adam Schefter vibe going. <laughs> um, but you know, we'll, I'm sure talk a little bit more about that move as we go forward. Cause it has worked out for one, not so much for the other. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there's been some other news, but I want to cover some of that in the next podcast because I think that's going to impact uh, matches going forward. That was a large amount of news that they covered, you know, matches that occurred this past week. But that means, Jay Will, that we get to get into these matches. Let's do it. Let's try that again. 20 seconds left on the clock. Shanghai, look at all the check marks they've got working on it. Staying in the back line. Oh, sleeps! Kareem! Clutch sleep, making all the difference. Shanghai Dragons down. He cancels out the EMP. Now it's a Hail Mary attempt from the Shanghai. Giannis gets a kill to Bedosian, though. And now he's got the primal rage. Shatter comes in. It's a big one from Gesture. But London need more. Giannis needs to invite him. He knocked Gesture off. He got one. He knocked two. He got three. Giannis, he what got a play. Three. Saving the map for the Washington Justice. What a... The rally, but fight is hacked. He's pushed back. Soundberry even for the Florida Mayhem. Zephyr returns on the fast here. BQB gets rid of Jake. Rumor trying to stay up and shield Raucus on that backside. He needs the hit. Oh! the Bastion. Surely not. What? Where it ends. Zephyr back in towards turret mode now. Boink is struggling. Oh, Florida man. Mayhem have brought the house crashing down. It's just Boink. He's trying to hold on. Dante returns with the EMP and Boink gets the sound barrier. It's two versus three right now, but BQB falls. Dante finds the kill. Boink is down. <laughs> Zephyr sitting in the back corner. Fade is very low and Jake returns on the Doomfist now. He's got to be out of time. I can't oh, believe it. I cannot believe what I've just seen. Oh, well. So low after that shatter, how can he be follow up? Oh my goodness, he does! With about 10% HP, Fact Fiction goes aggro! Away, Laze kills off Miko with the uppercut. Fusion's the sliver of HP just trying to stay alive, with the shatter greets him straight to the face. Bionate keeps him in the fight for a little bit longer, but there's only so much that Aimgod can do, and he can't do much when he's taking a nap in the back. Medbest gets the pin. Laze with a punch, manages to find both supports. Cruz and Gray gonna be taken down. Can they actually turn this one around is the question. Laze gets the rocket punch on the Donye. We were Good talking happen. of color hex, but maybe it's a doofus this time around. Out of mech as well. And they're stalling this out big time. A huge kill. And now Mavis got transcended. Baby gets a second and a third. Where does this happen? Where does this come from? Baby making all the play. So this match was not crazy. This is the San Francisco Shock taking on the Boston Uprising. I don't think anybody should be super shocked 
Get it? Yeah. <laughs> By the shock, taking them down four to zero. Boston struggling mightily against teams that are successfully running the Sombra. Reinhardt three three has taken taken a couple hits in recent patches. San Francisco shock still able to run it at the highest possible level. And uh, you know, Boston is struggling to find lineups, rosters, and things that are working. Um Strangely enough, kicking off here in week three, it was Persia coming in instead of Aim God. Uh, I think just trying to capture something. I don't know. Aim God, I don't think is the problem there. Um, unfortunately, I kind of feel like it might be Fusions, um, which is kind of unfortunate. I, I had him pegged as a potential MVP candidate coming in. Um, but he is very successful with the Reinhardt, but I think struggling to find the Winston and Hammond success that other main tanks are are capable of. Yeah, not necessarily all his fault there. No, in no. In terms of Sorry. not being really great at any of those, or not, those aren't his specialty. He's very, very competent and really spectacular on Reinhardt. He's a very capable Winston. I think Hammond's where he's struggling the most. And when you're trying to run some of these DPS lineups, you need that that mobile tank that can just get in and out and be disruptive. And he's just struggling to find his little groove within that. Um, I will admit, Persia actually played in week two as well. It caught me off guard. We didn't really discuss it too much because I thought maybe it was just a one-match thing. But uh, here we are, you know, coming out on Thursday, and Persia's playing again over Aim God. And I don't know the reasoning behind it. I didn't like the move. I thought Aim God was one of the, the better Zenyatas in the league. Um, especially from a a head clicking standpoint, I mean, he had a couple of matches where he carried almost. So yeah. they struggled again. Um, we'll get into their Sunday matchup, but they certainly struggled against San Francisco. Not that most teams don't, but it's just it's not the Boston we're used to seeing still. Paris would be taking on the Houston Outlaws in the next matchup, and this was a really fun one. You should definitely go back and watch the VOD if you have not had that opportunity yet. Two teams that I felt like were in a similar level coming into the week. But Houston's going to come out on top of this one, 3-1. I really thought Houston looked good in this matchup. I know they dropped a map, which isn't the the end of the world, obviously. You got the win. That was important. Uh, their combination of three DPS between um, Linkser, Dante, and Jake is working. And they're playing a lot of Farah now, which is fine. You know, stick to what you're doing best. And I'm all for that. They can roll over into the Sombra 3-2-1 if necessary with Linkser on Zarya, who, again, looks much improved. Um, so I, I was thoroughly impressed. Uh, I don't remember. Did they actually play? They played the map Paris against Paris, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was that the one they lost? I can't I can't quite no, remember. No, they lost Hollywood big time. They lost Hollywood. Okay. So Paris then was one of those where you're – they come out and they run. They love to run Jake on Junkrat, which is what we ask at him to play all the time. It's his signature <laughs> hero, uh, and they they held first point if I remember correctly. They only had to pick up one tick on the yes. first point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean they they look really strong running those DPS compositions with Muma running Orisa. Um, you get who, Boinker Rock is one of the two. I can't remember who plays what off when they go to Mercy, um, but they they run that. They run Ana. Um, Linkser either plays Widow or plays some Doomfist in there, and Dante plays Sombra, and I'm still committed to him being the best Sombra in the league as an individual. I mean, you put him on a couple other teams, and I mean, he probably looks even better than he does when he's playing with Houston. 
Yeah, very strong, very strong. Note for Houston, you lost Hollywood because you went 3-3. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's how they lost it because yeah, I remember watching that. Not, like, what are you guys not doing? A loss either. <laughs> yeah, they kind of went back to their old school 3-3 days, um, but they obviously still had Linkser in there. And we've tried Linkser on a couple different 3-3 heroes. Um, and really outside of the 3-2-1 with Zarya, he hasn't looked very strong. But yeah, they they tried to go kind of a mirror three three on Hollywood and uh, got it to about ten meters in front of the uh, second point of the payload push. Well, actually, sorry, first point of the payload push. Right. And um, which are the doors on Hollywood, the big doors into the warehouse stage. And uh, Paris, you know, basically came through, conquered the first, conquered the hybrid point in you know first fight basically, and then just straight pushed. So it really was kind of a no contest on Hollywood. That would lead us into the Hangzhou Spark taking down a struggling Dallas Fuel 3-0. to zero. Yeah, not good for Dallas still. I actually thought maybe they could regain a little bit of confidence after getting a draw when they should not have gotten a draw on the assault map. Uh, was it Horizon? Do you remember? I don't that's, know, that's but what if I keep w- talking, I'll look it up. Okay, that's what I want to. That's what I want to say. It was because Hangzhou had like an insane time bank that they should have easily won this map and didn't. But I mean, coming out of halftime, it was more of the same from Dallas. They're they're struggling. Notes kind of floating around on different different things between Sombra between Diva. Um, that trade at this point looks bad for them in in an essence, uh, only because they lost their their Sombra flex player in RCK. But for me, the biggest issue for this week was they went ahead and they benched OGE and played a brand new main tank. And if there's anything that we've noticed throughout this season is that your main tank has to be good. It's the most important position on your team. If you have a main tank that can do their job at a high level, the rest of your players, even if they're not the best at it, can still be functional and can still find ways to win. And Trill consistently got put out of position. He got too far forward. Gushway just walked by him and shattered Dallas. I don't know how many times during this match. I felt bad for Dallas, honestly, because you're expecting Reinhardt to block it. He's right there. His shield's up. And Gushway just, I'll walk through this, excuse me, shatter. I'm moving on now. And it just, it wasn't good. I felt bad. So I, I would love to hear the reasoning behind benching OGE in favor of Trill, who hasn't played all year. But it, it's it's one of those mid-season changes where you're like, guys, they're too far along, I think, at this point to go to something like that. Yeah, it's hard to put it all on one specific player, but to be honest, Trill just was out of sync, you know, and it, I mean, so he recently got promoted to the roster. I don't know how much practice time he's had. We're not behind the scenes, obviously, but you that that match, you're just looking at it and going, this kind of is on the main tank. As you mentioned, Gushway just walking straight past the shield and shattering into the back line, him being out of position, not being able to block the right damage. You could clearly tell just out of sync on the ultimates in terms of when he was supposed to be doing and what he was supposed to be doing at that time. So um, Hangzhou Spark looking strong, capitalizing on those mistakes, taking advantage of it. It was ultimately Horizon Lunar Colony they were able to tie on. Um, but yeah, and, and I mean, Trill, even, I mean, he, he put on Twitter, I mean, most of these guys after after a loss are pretty pretty emotional about it, but he put on Twitter that he didn't, he didn't, he knew he didn't play well. I don't want to direct quote the tweet. It's not great. <laughs> but um, the thing that, the thing that, there are two things here that you kind of got into that I want to get into as well. But the first thing is, you know, why, what does Trill offer you that OGE does not? 
That's my question. And there's this, there's another tweet by Jane, who's a coach for the Dallas Fuel, who's accusing people who are calling out Trill. And he's like, it's so funny that people want to call, you know, an organization or a player out when they're not in the rooms and they're not behind the scenes. But we are watching the match. <laughs> and, and you know, when you're looking at it, you're going, I mean, I feel bad for this guy. I feel like he's been thrown to the wolves here, maybe on short practice. I don't know what the choices are. But at the end of the day, Trill and OGE, if if Trill clears up all his communication issues and clear ups, clears up the mistakes that he made, what is he that that is more than what OGE was offering you? And that, like, if I'm a coach and I believe that that there's a genuine difference between these two, that's when I'm making the change. I think people are accusing Dallas Fuel of just rotating to try and capture some sort of spark or something like that, but not having a clear plan for, like, who's going to tank and who's not going to tank and when are they going to come in and go out and that kind of stuff. The nightcap for Thursday the 20th was going to be the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Los Angeles Valiant in a rematch. From their, I believe, week one? Week one match? Week one or week two. Let me check real quick. Keep going. Uh, of their match. And Shanghai had was able to take the first uh, meeting of the two teams. So I think a lot of people expected Shanghai might be able to do that again. But it was close on the first one. I remember that. And here we go. <laughs> this is the beginning of some craziness for me. Los Angeles Valiant has brought in a main tank, Fact Fiction, and that has been an absolute game changer for that roster. And they were able to take down the Shanghai Dragons 3-1. to one. Yeah, so it was was week one of stage three, actually the same time slot on the same day, ironically. <laughs> uh, so complete reversal. Shanghai won the first matchup 3-1 with Fact Fiction playing. Uh, the difference in this one for me was they actually went ahead and started Shaq's. Okay. Uh, so they're they're out there running three DPS role players and two supports and one tank. Uh, the tank being God help me right now. Fact fiction. I don't know why I blanked on that for a second. <laughs> um, just said his name. Anyway, uh, so they've got Agilities out there. They've got Shacks out there. They've got Kareev. They've got KSF and Kareev's actually like a full on flex player. So I mean he's playing support, yeah. but he can DPS. He can do a lot of different things. So that's a lot of flexibility there, but they came out, they ran the three DPS and it completely changed the way this matchup went versus the first time they had an answer for everything. Still shaking my head a little bit with Shanghai. Um, I believe they only played once this week, right? No, they played twice, but this was, did they play envy in this one or did they play them against the gladiators? Cause I feel like they started envy against the, the valiant. I was watching the VOD earlier and I can't remember who I was watching it against though. And of course, it's both LA teams, so that doesn't help me. <laughs> anyway, but they they benched Ding in favor of playing Envy, so they ran a Diva for a little while, and it was like, guys, why did you go away from what what's working for you? Ding and DM might be a top five combination of DPS players right now, and they both can do different things. Ding rains rockets from the sky, and DM clicks heads if you want him on Widow, and he can do a few other things. So didn't quite understand it from Shanghai's perspective why the substitution, especially with Map in the first map i feel it's always important to get off to a, a really good start but uh the valiance fortunes may have changed with one one addition to the roster in terms of putting him into the starting lineup because he's been on the team for two or three weeks now right mm -hmm. yeah so insert him in the starting lineup and and things look drastically different that's a team that's dangerous and a team that's rapidly on the rise yeah, fact fiction and checks were part of a part of a kind of a trade into the development system 
Um, so they gave up Fate, and then they got several of their developer players. And it, yep. they did uh, Shanghai did start Envy in this match. Okay. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about Kareev as well in later matches. <laughs> yeah, he's an important player for them. Preview, preview. All right, so that means we're moving into Friday the 21st, and it's going to kick off with a rematch, another rematch of London taking on the New York Excelsior, looking to recoup on a on a 4-0 drubbing by New York earlier. And they're going to keep it competitive, but New York's going to come out with the win at 3-2. Yeah, tight, much tighter match than the first one, which went 4-0 to New York. Obviously, London learned something. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. But... Uh, NYXL still with Sabioli on Sombra, I, I really like what they have going for them uh, with the way that the, the meta is slowly but surely shifting towards a more DPS-centric concept and at least having Sombra basically be like your focal point of your, your entire roster. Uh, Sabioli is just, I mean, I know you've said it before, he kind of just YOLOs it half the time on the EMPs, but it, it's working. Uh, maybe teams aren't ready for it. Maybe teams are still trying to adjust to his style of playing. Sombra versus everybody else who likes to sneak around and try to be invis. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm coming right for it. Either run from it or take it. Coming in hot. Yeah. So, but London looked better, much improved. Bird Ring Profit starting to get to do some of the things that they're a little more accustomed to doing. So, watch out for London later in the season. We talked about them. Uh, I think it was on one of the last two episodes. You know, they kind of just fly under the radar for a little while. They're they're squarely in the playoff mix. They're just um, waiting for their moment. Right. You know, if a couple a couple of changes go their way in terms of, you know, game changes or rule changes that could allow them to play some more DPS and that that roster gets a lot more interesting with every matchup. Yeah, Sabiobi plays Sombra a lot like he would play like you would assume someone would play Tracer. Right. Yeah. And that's where his bread and butter was made, certainly in season one, was Tracer. Because you think about it, the ultimate is pulse bomb. You got to go in deep, throw the pulse bomb, and then get out. You know, and that's kind of the same idea with what he's doing with the the EMPs. He's tossing it in from the front. You know, popping it and getting out. Um, just it, it, if you look at it, I think you'll find similarities between the way he plays Tracer and the way he plays Sombra, which is fun. I mean, again, can't argue with the results. No, you certainly <laughs> cannot. Next on the lineup, we have the San Francisco Shock taking down the Florida Mayhem 4-0. to zero. Anything big you learned from this match? No, not really. We need to see San Francisco play another top-tier team to make sure that they're they're okay. They got that wake-up call, and they've looked great since then. That's, what, three straight 4-0s now? Yeah. Yeah, that's three straight after the, the loss to Houston and the, the near loss to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're back on the right track, and they're – gonna make the stage playoffs for the third straight stage they're sitting in at the number three overall seed right now for the season so they're in fine position nothing to worry about we haven't learned too much new i do want to see them try to do something else just for the sake of feeling a little more comfortable if the meta does switch does that make sense what i'm saying there yeah i can see that for sure so i i am a little concerned if they they have to have to do something else at the moment, they don't need to, so there's nothing to worry about. But if anything were to switch, it's something that I would be concerned about for them just slightly. All right, and then we are going to get into a little bit of this craziness, this week three craziness. And in this match, it's going to be the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Shanghai Dragons. Ultimately, Jay will the Shanghai Dragons would take this match 3-1. to one. 
Not one you and I, either of us called. Uh, we both had the Gladiators <laughs> in this matchup. The Gladiators have been playing really well. Uh, but unfortunately, Shanghai, from Thursday night into Friday night, we're like, okay, let's not do what we did last night and let's do something different. You know, Ding plays, DM plays. They get a little more DPS heavy. And I, I think the Gladiators work so hard to get comfortable within the 3 3 that now they're possibly going to struggle just a little bit with teams that have been doing DPS the whole time and getting back out into some of the things that Hydration and Surefor are accustomed to doing regularly. So we'll have to watch them a little closely as the season winds down here, um, if anything changes. If they're inside of the 3-3, you know, with Decay, Surefor, Hydration, I think they'll be fine. If they have to swap out of that, I, I wonder how they they split that playtime up. Yeah, they actually didn't uh, play Hydrations at all. Not in this one? Not in this one at all. So, And then the big switch for Shanghai is going to be Envy comes out, and they actually bring in Youngjin. So they were running three, essentially, DPS. Um, you know, they're doing the 3-2-1 with Gamsu as main tank and then Luffy Koma as support. And then Ding, DM, and Youngjin on, on DPS roles pretty much for all of it. And I think that's that's where things are kind of, like I said, slowly but surely shifting to. So teams that have been running DPS-type comps which has been Shanghai since basically stage one because they weren't going to win 3-3. Yeah. You know, so they're a little more comfortable in that already. And how about Gamsu, by the way? I remember this a little as you kept talking about it. How about him on Hammond, by the way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, might even give Ameng a run for his money. <laughs> right. I mean, we're not talking like he's getting close to him, but he's making him like look, for his look over his shoulder. He's looking he, looking over his shoulder. Like, he would hey, challenge, you know? Somebody. He would challenge. No, I remember I, I got in on this match, uh, came in on Oasis. That's the first map, and, and Gladiators were able to take it. But I remember even thinking then, I was like, ooh, I think Shanghai might have this one. Um, oh, Gladiators yeah. Gladiators did not look great. Mm-mm. And even on Oasis on the map that they won. And then um, Volsky Industries was was really quite dominant for um, for the Shanghai Dragons, and I was pretty confident that they were going to be able to take this one. So I knew my match pick was done <laughs> pretty early. Yeah, but you're just like, all right, let's move on to the next ah, one. Ah, crap. Take the L. <laughs> but um, it is a great match to watch for sure. Um, I think definitely Gladiators kind of struggling – um, if you're looking through some of their the match and who was playing what and everything, they're switching around a lot, trying to figure out how to deal with some of these heavier DPS compositions um, and figure out where how Decay fits into that. Um, I am surprised that they didn't bring in Hydrations at all. Um, so we'll see if that changes in the future, if they see more DPS-heavy compositions. Capping off Friday is going to be the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Vancouver Titans. Vancouver is going to take this one three to one, a little bit more convincingly than they did the first time these two teams met in the uh, in the regular season. But uh, I think if you're watching this matchup, I, from from me personally, you're kind of watching this going. Both of these teams are not the 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 hard lock, good, great teams that we've kind of come to expect them to be. Well, Chengdu's not that great, but they're good at what they do, and they've clearly regressed within that in yeah. this stage. There's no denying that. And you've been saying it for weeks now. The chink in the armor just keeps getting worse for Vancouver. Yep. Um, you're seeing some some problems. You're seeing them unable to deal with either DPS lineups or unable to run Sombra themselves. Um, we're, we're not to Sunday yet, but, I, I mean, the writing was on the wall for sooner rather than later. 
I think it was as well. And, you know, we talked about this. I mean, this is a team that had not lost a match since I believe it was June or July of last year. Mm-hmm. But they had won every single one of those matches in a 3-3 composition, as far as I know. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, and everyone knows this is a bread and butter. Everyone knows that this is what they're practicing. And it was just that they did it so much better than you. Even if you found something else, it just wasn't going to work. But the fact is, the teams have finally adjusted to the massive changes that were implemented actually before stage two that were an attempt to take down some of this 3-3 default. And now we're seeing some of those changes take effect and take impact. Teams are capitalizing on them. They are capitalizing on Sombra. I've always felt like Sombra is the win. Sombra, if you can execute it well, is just wins fights. That's what she does. It's just it's a guaranteed fight win, and then it's so efficient when you win it, you can almost guarantee the second fight. And that's two to three minutes on a point. That's two to three minutes of progress on a bite on a payload. So that uh, I've just always felt Sombra had had a place in taking these down, and she was. It was Sombra Doomfist was the way to take down three three until they they nerfed the ever living crap out of Doomfist. Poor guy. <laughs> Which they brought some of that back. And we're actually seeing a couple of people start to run the hack fist um, to take down these 3-3s. Actually, Boston is a team that keeps trying to do that. So, anyways, Vancouver, not as strong as you thought they were. <laughs> no, especially in stage three. Right, especially outside of having to stick to their 3-3. And I think we asked that question in a, an earlier episode when we were discussing what, when, when the meta was going to change. What would what would Vancouver be outside of the 3-3? Yeah. So we're starting to see that now. Um, I think the biggest concern for me is that they're actually trying to do things outside of 3-3. And I think when they played in 3-3 and when they were still winning while other teams were trying to find ways to defeat 3-3 that wasn't mirroring Vancouver, there were moments where we, I think we overlooked it though, where Vancouver just clutched out fights regularly. Yeah. Where you just got, you kind of got accustomed to it. You just looked at a fight and you're like, all right, they're going to win it. Yeah, and we never actually like wrapped our brains around. Well, what happens when they can't clutch these out because they never sure. had, they never failed to clutch out. So sure. uh, we'll discuss Sunday when we get there. But that that's probably where we as fans and viewers and analysts kind of had a little. You know, we overlooked that the Vancouver's having to clutch out a little too often, especially as we got further along in stage two and stage three. And they were early challenges to that, right? They took on Guangzhou Charge and, and you know, again, barely escaped on a Diva Bomb. San Francisco, the first time they played, barely escaped on a Diva Bomb. And Chengdu Hunters, not on a specific Diva Bomb, but uh, took them to 3-2 and almost looked like they were going to take that one as well. I think in a way it was just the, the, the swagger and kind of the cockiness that Vancouver did it with. You always kind of felt like it was by design. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, no, like, you're right. Uh, no, that was fun. We, you know, uh, they kind of, we let them into it and we, they felt like they had a chance, but this is what we were here to do, <laughs> you know? Yep. All right. Well, we're going to kick off Sunday with a tight one for the London Spitfire taking on the Washington Justice and they're going to sneak by this one at 2-1. Not really sure what to make of this, to be 100% honest with you. It, it just, it was just a weird match. I don't know if it means anything for London. Obviously, you're, if you're a Washington fan, you're like, yay, continued improvement. But for London, it kind of seemed like they put all their, their eggs into the New York Excel basket, and then they were like, we'll deal with Washington the next day, however we have to. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you there. I think this was London trying to give as much energy and preparation as possible to the London to the New York Excelsior match. 
and just hoping to be able to gut it out against Washington, which is ultimately what they're able to do. And that brings us to the Atlanta Reign taking on the Philadelphia Fusion. And this is going to be another one that the Atlanta Reign just can't seem to close out. Philly's going to end up taking this match 3-2. to two. Yeah, poor Philly. This is, or excuse me, poor Atlanta. This is their third 3-2 loss this stage. They have a 3-1 loss to Vancouver, and then they have a 4-0 to Seoul, I believe. So they've just, the hard luck, some of it's just bad timing on certain things, though. So some of it's in their control, but uh, for Philly, you know, okay, you got back to 500, which was important, headed down the stretch, because they, I think their week five with the Atlanta homestand is, is winnable for them. So they still have a chance to make the stage playoffs and finish five and two here. But more importantly, I think it was it was good to see EQO and Carpe on some DPS heroes. I think they're more comfortable playing that. That's more in their wheelhouse. Uh, for as much as we've given them some some grief about their lack of playing together, if they can get onto these DPS heroes, then Carpe can can go God mode and EQO can do some some hero things and kind of carry the team without having to work together but so much that that three three composition really means everybody's got to be on the same page and with the the lack of a top tier reinhardt and that's not a shot at sato because he's a phenomenal winston and i actually i'm happy to see winston kind of find his way back into more matches right now because i I think he's almost becoming a little more preferred on definitely on specific maps but overall when teams are trying to to run these dps lineups i feel like they're defaulting to to winston obviously him and it's still a, a viable option but it allows them to go kind of back onto some comfortable heroes. So they're another team along with London, you know, last last year's grand finals matchup that if anything changes coming down the stretch, those are two teams I would not want to have to play against. Carpe, I believe, has been looking for any reason to not play Zarya. <laughs> oh, he, he has. He's been outspoken about yeah. it. And I mean, he's just so tired of Zarya. He wants to play other things. And that's why I say, man, look out if he gets to because he's going to go back to MVP mode potentially. When he got a little flex time into Widowmaker here and the casters oh. were joking about how, you know, he's just a collective sigh of relief from Carpe fans <laughs> everywhere that he and he even looked a little bit like, ooh, I get to play Widowmaker. Yeah. Um which which actually for Carpe looks like absolutely no emotion on his icy face whatsoever. Absolutely. No emotion at all. <laughs> Ice water in those veins. This is what I do. Get out of my way. But if you're Atlanta, you've got to start finding ways to close out your fifth match. I mean, they come out on Ilios and they can't even get a point. Um, they lose Ilios zero to two. That was their map five. You keep, you know, get down a little bit early. You manage to gut out a couple matches in the middle and then you just can't seem to close. And, you know, that's, it's killing you. It's literally killing you in the season standings and in the stage three standings because, these are matches. Some of these matches are matches that they needed to get if they want to get into those playoffs. They're against the top competition. If you want people to believe in you and get into those playoffs, these are the ones that you've got to find a way to sneak out, especially if you are being competitive in them. Yeah. If they're losing all of these 0-4, I'd be like, okay, top competition. They're just they're just not at that level. The problem is they're competing, so you think they're at that level, and then they just can't seem to get that, that close match. Right. Well, anyways, this would take us to what I felt was the biggest coin flip. I still wasn't sure what to do with Toronto. And they were going to be taking on a Guangzhou charge that I also still don't know what to do with. I don't think anybody knows what to do with either team, but I do know that one was better than the other. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I felt like, and this was kind of before I knew Envy had been traded away, I felt like I thought Toronto at least had a core there that was going to be successful, a talented core in Envy, Ivy, Neko. 
that was going to be good. Um, they brought in Shark and traded away Envy, and that uh, I think they're going to look back on that and realize that that was a huge mistake. Uh, Shark is just not good. <laughs> yeah, he's he's out of his depth at this level. He yeah. just is, and it's not not a. It's really not his fault at that point. I mean, you were put onto the stage and asked to perform, and you just weren't ready for it. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with Gods either, who was their the other addition they had. Yeah, they're not good right now, and for a team that you know did the did what they needed to do in stage one, I know that we talked about it being a benefit of their schedule, but they set themselves up for long term season success, and they're just they're wasting it right now, unfortunately. So ultimately, it would be the Guangzhou Charge taking this match four to zero. And I don't did I mean? Do you feel like watching that match, you learned a lot of new things about Guangzhou? Or no, it's just, they're the same team they've always been. Really, they, yeah. they. I mean, they're playing a bad team. They can win. They every now and then they pick off a low middle tier team. But other than that, it's the same stuff. I've I said it not too long ago. I really think they should just you know go all in on a DPS lineup. But granted, everybody's going to have to now. But I feel like they should have done that from the beginning. Yeah, I wonder if the story for the Guangzhou Charge coming out of this is going to be communication issues against an individually talented roster that is not able to bring it together as a team, right? And I from yeah, I'd have to go back and look at the the actual breakdowns, but I believe this is one of the more culturally diverse teams. It is um, in the league, and especially in the rosters that they actually put up. I mean, you've got Kib; he's from the UK. You got a couple U.S. players. You got some Korean players. You got some Chinese players, and those are active rosters that they're throwing out there. And I have to imagine, on some level, that not all of those things lead to great communication. Um, and this is another team that keeps keeps the player carousels going. And we've talked about this for other teams, and I'm going to believe that it's also true for the Guangzhou Charge. You can't keep rotating. In this case, they actually rotate multiple people on multiple occasions. Um, you know, for Paris, it was just the Danye Shatterburn rotation. But for Guangzhou Char, I mean, Kib's in, and these guys come in, and Nero's in, and he's out, and then it's it's all over the place. So I I, I think at some point you got to commit, you got to lock in, you got to find a roster that can communicate well, and see if you can put a coherent team out there. I'm with you. They usually sub somebody, basically each map, which is not helping team chemistry. And it certainly hurt earlier stages with the 3-3. Like we've always said, it's so built around cohesiveness and synergy that if your communication is off, it's not going to work. And that was something we discussed with um, in terms of Guangzhou when we did our season preview of all the teams. You know, they're trying to blend all these languages. Is that really going to work out? Because if you can't if you can't get your communication on point, you're you're going to struggle all season long. Yeah, and it's it's proven true for the most part. The nightcap on Saturday is gonna be absolute bananas. <laughs> All right, if you have not watched this vod, if you have not watched this match, you've got to go check out the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Seoul Dynasty from Stage Three, Week Three. So I want to break into this one a little bit because this is actually pretty insane. Hangzhou comes out swinging. Okay, and they take down Ilios and Horizon Lunar Colony back to back, and they're looking pretty dominant doing it. Okay, they're map dominant. three comes out, <laughs> Nambani. Soul in the halftime said, "You know what? Take everybody out." <laughs> bring <laughs> this is in, what we love about Soul, right? <laughs> to just bring in the B team. <laughs> no, it was great. I mean, it's not the B team, 
we joked about this before. We talked about this in the podcast. We talked about this about Soul in season one that they they had this lineup that was you know that was pegged as kind of their A lineup, and then they took it out. And for the rest of season one, they played like a B. Well, we all termed the B lineup, but then they just kept playing. So essentially, it became their A. But there to kick it off, um, they were playing the lineup of Illicit, Munchkin, Marvel, Zumba, Jay Hong, and Toby. And then coming out of half, they completely changed it up. Fleta, Fitz, Fisher, Michelle, Hailey, and Jexy. So, and then they actually stuck with that through pretty much the remainder of it. But they still ended up um, rotating on Havana, um, bringing in Munchkin, Jay Hong, and Toby in that lineup as well. Probably because they wanted to run some fun stuff. Some Widowmaker. <laughs> well, yeah. So Havana, they actually brought back in Marvel, which was, you know, a little head scratching after they had just dominated Numbani. But yeah, it, I mean, again, it worked. But this is, we talk about this with them all the time. This is probably the only, only roster that has the capability to do what they just did, which is swap out all six players. A hockey line change. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> in in right. Overwatch League. Rotate it all. Rotate it all. Bring it on in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then you know just flip a switch like that and turn the whole match around i mean unfortunately it didn't work out in the end but no. the substitutions completely worked it it made hangzhou have to play a little differently here and there they didn't regain their footing at all until map five like that's that's how much it, it switched the map the match around yeah so and then in map five and so let's talk about that because map five soul goes back to or goes back to the lineup they put in in three which in nubani which is kind of their, which was Fitz, Fleta, Munchkin, Marvel, Jay Hung, and Toby. Um, excuse me, Fitz, Fleta, Fissure, Michelle, Hiley, and Jexy. So they had got, you know, good experience. But at that point, they got locked into the 3 3 yep. on Oasis. And I, if I'm a team in the Overwatch League and I'm playing Hangzhou and I'm in map five, I'm doing anything I can to not be playing 3-3 <laughs> against that team. Like, Hangzhou and map five, and we talked, and it was a great tweet. Seoul is unde- was up until that point undefeated on Oasis, and Hangzhou was like undefeated or maybe only had one loss in map five. So it was shaping up to be a banger, but then Seoul comes out in this lineup that's kind of built more for flexing and DPS and flexibility, and they just lock into the 3-3 and try to take Hangzhou on. Hangzhou map five three three and they try to do it and we the result is hungzhou taking the match three two <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the end result but uh soul acquitted themselves obviously again they're still a top tier team uh low top tier but um and then hungzhou just continues their role right now they're playing phenomenal phenomenal matches each and every week we talked about it when they played Vancouver. They probably should have taken that to map five. And then yep. you, you get them to map five. Who knows what happens? Usually they end up winning, though. So that was unfortunate for them. But outside of that match, I mean, they've looked so good. And they're clearly the established fourth best team in the league right now with potential to move up still. All right. Kicking off the day of days. Yes. All about Sunday, baby. Let's the do day this. of days, June the 23rd. A day that shall live in infamy. So the first reason that this is a day of days is that overwatch league made a match of the week and then failed <laughs> failed to oh, implement preach. match of the week successfully preach <laughs> um so we, we tweeted about this as well if you're gonna do match of the week you've got to be able to flex it on a week-to-week basis so what they did is they came out with a match of the week and then said here's all the matches of the week 
And all the matches of the week look great from a stage two lens. <laughs> not from this stage But at not all. from a stage three lens. So this is going to be the Chengdu Hunters taking on the Dallas Fuel. Dallas is an absolute dumpster fire right now. Trills in, trills out. I mean, well, not out. He's in. Yeah, he's, he's still in. He's in. He's, he's, in. he's just out trills, of his league. Trills in. He should be out, but he's still <laughs> um, You got OGE sitting on the bench. You traded away your Sombra player for a meta in a meta that's that's going to favor Sombra play and being able to do that. Uh, you committed to a three-three lineup, you know that was that featured Diva in it and featured Note on that Diva, and it's not working out well now. And it was a battle where Chengdu, I mean, did what they normally do. They still don't look like they've completely returned to that form, that that stage one, stage two form that everyone was so crazy about, which was the you know don't run goats and be really really good at it. They just managed to pick off a Dallas team that's in absolute free fall right now. Absolute free fall is right. They just can't get anything going. Some of it's the meta with in, in addition to their, their current state of their roster. But I still have to question taking out OG. It makes no sense. But this was this was even worse than the matchup the previous week, which is sad to say. And they come out and it's crazy too, because they, they actually the Emily Emily Trang, Trang Tang, the one of the Overwatch one yeah. of, she's kind of the one of the floor people yeah. for um one of the for the Overwatch broadcast. And she talks about that she apparently got some inside information from Dallas that they've got OGE on the practice squad and they want him to be practicing with no pressure or something like that. No and I'm pressure. like, did you really feel that confident in your capabilities in stage three that you're willing to throw away an entire stage so that he can get no pressure practice? I mean, he wasn't that he wasn't bad for you in stage two. He was improving. And I feel like you've taken out this player at the peak, like at a momentum peak and put him on the practice squad. And said, you know, how go down there and, and so the only thing I can assume at that point is they're asking him to learn something new. I that's that's the only thing you can assume, right? Like, why else would he be down there if he wasn't to learn something that he can't already do? Yeah. So and, we're we're gonna talk a little bit about why teams might be making changes like that in the next episode, teaser teaser. But <laughs> I, I'm I don't know. I'm with you though. It's it's they're wasting all the goodwill they built themselves in stage two by making the playoffs and. They're they're now they're looking at struggling to finish in that seven to twelve range, which is unfortunate for them. And and, and putting their seasonal playoffs on on the line, right? Yeah, I mean, right. like you know, an 07 is. I mean, this is when stage three is. You're making a push, like you're trying to get every match you can, and these guys are dropping every match they can. Yeah. All right, and that is going to take us to Boston taking on Paris. So these two teams could not be on. Coming into this match could not have been a more opposite trajectories. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Boston doing its best to tank as far as possible into oblivion. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they don't look that bad. They're just struggling to find their identity here in this in this stage three meta. And they're they're it seems like they're constantly rotating players. Fusions are playing different things. I think they identified that the Reinhardt three three wasn't as strong as it used to be, and they weren't the best at running it. So now they're looking for different stuff. As I mentioned before, they're even running like Hack Fist, which they were arguably pretty successful on. And they're taking on a Paris where Paris had been rising. Now they took on a Houston squad that's been pretty successful. They were competitive in that match. So them losing that one, I wasn't like, oh, I wasn't completely off the Paris train on that one, right? No, Yeah, absolutely not. So coming in, Paris gets up real good, 2-0. And you're kind of like, okay, you know, this is kind of what we thought. Boston's struggling and Paris is winning. 
Skirt. <laughs> hit the halftime Bra- Hit them brakes. <laughs> bring it back. Coming out at halftime, I even felt like it. I felt, I even, I believe I tweeted it, which is, is this, you know, is, is there tank, is there energy left in that, in that Boston reverse sweep tank? And let me tell you, there was. Boston's going to end up reverse sweeping the Paris Eternal three to two. At, at this point, that's like classic Boston now. Like go down <laughs> 2 and come out of halftime, make some adjustments and win three, two. And, you know, just shake hands and act like no big deal. Right. Um, but this was a big deal for them. <laughs> they were, I believe, 0-5 coming into this, right? This was their sixth match. Yeah. I mean, they were 0 I know that, but I'm pretty sure it was 0-5. Mm-hmm. And it, looking terrible. And, you know, they go down 0-2 and you're like, well, here we go again. And then the halftime button gets pressed. And here comes that halftime second half Boston finally, you know, making an appearance. And it was so good to see that from them because they're much more fun when they're winning. I'll admit that. <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, it, they needed it. You could see the Houston match, I mean, the pressure just building on Fusion, slamming, you know, whatever he did, slamming his mouse down, keyboard, whatever it was. Right, I don't right. remember exactly, but the visual the visual frustration. And I mean, when that stuff starts to build on you and wear on you, that's, that's when games begin to get no fun again. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we are just playing a game. I understand these guys are getting played. I understand professional athletes get played, but you're supposed to be playing for the love of the game. Yeah, you know, and when you're getting whipped like they were, it, it no longer becomes fun. And I felt for them in that that moment. But thank God they brought Aim God back. I I still have right. no idea why he was benched. Like you need him. He's one of your better, unfortunately, DPS players. I think half of their struggles are because I'm still not sold on Color Hex as a DPS player. I'm just not. And I've said that all season. Like I don't know that he's enough on a DPS on a DPS level to carry you to victory. Yeah, and they they've all season they've relied on fusions making the right call and making some big plays as a main tank. So I mean, at least they have that role solidified. But you do need some some sort of close to MVP caliber DPS player. Like that's the reality of the situation. But at the end of the day, thank God they got a win. I feel bad for Paris because this severely hurts their playoff chances for stage three. They needed this match after losing to Houston. Um, still a slim chance. Um, they got some help with the next two matches. But they they've got to they've got to get more help if they want to make the stage three playoffs now. So this is Boston's off season kind of coming back to bite them a little bit, right? And right. When they traded away, I mean, Striker was the big name that I knew of, but I mean, they traded away basically all their DPS, and then right before the season started, they even get rid of um, Gabriel Gamsu. Uh, Gabriel Gamsu traded him over and brought up fusions. And so for a minute you're like, oh, cuz fusions looking great, fits right into the roster, they're being successful right off the bat. You're like, okay, well maybe they knew what they were doing and this is, you know, this is where they want to be. But here we go. You got rid of all your DPS players, you try to bring in a few that, you know, aren't quite the same caliber and now you're going to pay that price because DPS is coming back, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and so I think that's where we are with Boston right now. And they're struggling to find a way to integrate some of these, some of these attempted DPS players. And I think they're missing out on striker and a few others taking us to the reason to create a 21st power rank Houston. This is, this is why it's painful to be a Houston Outlaws fan when you are a week out and you're calling these matches and you're looking at it and you're going, we we had a segment. Jay Will had a segment of time dedicated in the last podcast to to 
talking directly to the Houston Outlaws, saying, don't mess this one up. And they found a way to do it. This is the Houston Outlaws losing to the one and whatever Florida Mayhem. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. This is... I told you, I told him not to lose. That's, that's all I said. Like, you can't, you can't lose that. You had a chance to go six and one. You had to do it. You went 0 and seven in stage two. You needed the six and one. Like, I don't think enough people are grasping what a six and one meant for their season long playoff potential. Now, are they still going to have a chance? Yes. But when your schedule in this stage and the way you're playing, you had to go six and one after beating San Francisco. Like, at the start of it, we would have said five and two. Thank God. Yeah, You know, you drop San Francisco, you drop New York, no big deal. But when you beat San Francisco, you needed to look at that and it had to be, it had to be six and one, period. Had to be. That had to be the goal. Anything else was a disappointment. I mean, they should still make the stage playoffs unless they, you know, screw up the next two matches. But my goodness, they went out and they won the first map and then they dropped three straight. They looked, uh, well, Christ, I don't even remember which one it was so bad. It was Hollywood again. It was Hollywood. Yeah, they look bad on Hollywood. Like both I don't times. know what it is about that, but they need to fix that. Uh, and I will say this flat out: they stayed on the Doomfist Sombra lineup too long. Mm-hmm. They waited too long to put Linkser back on Zarya and roll a three-two-one. I think if they just get the first point, switch over, I think they win the map. I really do. That's kind of where I'm at. And I understand that Jake is not necessarily the best Brig. He's probably better on Farah than, than on Brig, and he's obviously best on Junkrat. But at the end of the day, with how they have looked throughout this stage, and even with Jake playing Brig and playing Zarya and playing Sombra, they have looked really, really good in that lineup. And I don't know why they didn't just go to it to get through that map. I have no explanation for it. It was head-scratching to me, but it cost them. Because that map Houston. specifically. <laughs> because I mean, yeah, Houston. you're right. That, that's like, the excuse right there. It's Houston. That's all you can say. <laughs> it's Houston. Like, that's what is so frustrating about being a fan of this team is even when you feel like you found consistency, you're beating Paris, you're taking New York Excelsior to the brink, you beat the San Francisco Shock, and you're like, okay, this is great. Houston, you finally found something that's working. Why would you change it? Oh, wait, you're taking on the Florida Mayhem? I guess you should change what you're doing. No. Don't. This is what's so frustrating. You have consistency. You have found something that is working. And then you find a way to lose these trap games. It's really, really hard. It makes it super hard to be a fan. If you're going 0-7, that's great. You're going 0-7. You found consistency down there at the bottom. And we were frustrated, <laughs> but I knew what to expect. That's right. <laughs> you were, we were frustrated because you're changing these lineups. You're trying things that are clearly not going to work. Like, I don't know, taking out the sole source of damage in 3-3. Oh, that was the other thing. Hold on. I'm going to pause you right there. What was Florida running on Hollywood? Do you remember? I don't remember specifically. Let me go look it up. Winston, Diva, Sombra, Brig, I believe, and two support, two other supports. They ran the <laughs> zero Zarya lineup, and we were losing to it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm just gonna leave it leave it at that. Like they were getting dove by Winston and Diva and didn't know how to deal with it. All right. My blood right, pressure is getting too I know. far. Before up. before I end this though, I have to shout out Florida, specifically Saya player, who finally decided to go out the other door on watch point Gibraltar on the third point and just <laughs> set up as a freaking bastion and win the map for them. That yeah. was the winning point. But realistically, it was the decision to not go out the same door everybody else went out. Yeah. And which nobody does, and we've talked the split about that. Push. 
Right. Like, please go out the other door every now and then, guys, instead of running into the grav that's coming at the main door. I actually have that question on Numbani. So on Numbani, there's a pathway that, that goes all the way on the outside. For some reasons, teams insist on going through that room and then through yeah. the teeny tiny door that, that leads out onto the kind of the the upstairs. The, there's a balcony up there overlooking the point. Right. For the life of me, I can't figure out why teams are so incredibly averse to taking the out this this outside lane because in my opinion you end up with a lot of flexibility into where you want to go if you want to get upstairs you can go straight upstairs and get on the balcony if you want to wrap all the way around the back of the point you have access to that if you want to just take the fight to them right there on the point on the ground then you have access to that as well it's really weird i don't know if it's like a timing thing or anyways well it's the longer of the two paths but at the end of the day i mean the only time that matters is overtime second or two like (laughs) i'm with you i go out the other doors from everybody all the time so i'm always on the outside path because i'm like (laughs) dude i have i can do what i want people never like people still to this day really don't expect it coming right all right jay will dude i don't know how you're gonna lead into this i'm not gonna lie jay will (laughs) if you have a team that hasn't lost since July of 2018. Let's call it July. Could have been June. That's fair. We'll go with July. Going up against a team that has recently found success, but we're not too far removed from an 0-7 stage one. Not not just an 0-7 stage one, like a roster overhaul in stage two still. How are you going to call that match? You're going to go with the team that hadn't lost. It's... You, you pick the undefeated team until the undefeated team loses. <laughs> that is true, and that's where we lie, ladies and gentlemen. The Vancouver Titans regular season win streak is no more. Over, man. It's over. It's a wrap. Put it in the against, record books. Against the Los Angeles Valiant 3-1. to one. And it wasn't even that close. It was The Valiant dominated this matchup. This, this match from... This is the worst I've seen Vancouver go. look. Yes. Uh, they ran Shaq's with facts, Fact Fiction again. They ran um, Kareev, KSF, Agilities, and they just outpositioned Vancouver with DPS heroes nonstop. Vancouver had no answer for it. And this is some of the things we were sort of hinting at earlier. Vancouver outside of that 3-3 just doesn't look like they're on the same page. They don't really understand, I guess, what they're doing at a certain level. Because the irony of all this is, is when they played Paris, they they almost got full held, right? They get down to probably like the last minute and a half, last minute, and they're like, all right, switch over to 3-3. And then they bum rush the point and the Valiant have no answer for it. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious why they're trying anything else. I mean, it's what they do best, and I think they're good enough to play around an EMP. I really am, or I really do believe that. I think they're good enough to do that. So I'm not quite sure why they're trying whatever they're trying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this one's an odd one for me. So Moth, after some of San Francisco match, uh, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one, they asked Moth, you know, why they why San Francisco's not really doing Sombro or not are they practicing against Sombros? And he's like, No, we're so confident in our three three that we're just not doing it. Um, even though, you know, from time to time they'll they'll put Sinatra over there. But by and large, they are still running three three dedicated Reinhardt three three. Vancouver, I feel like, is kind of taking a different route, which is we're gonna try to adjust to Sombra. And so they're constantly kind of searching for that 
what's going to give us that edge over a Sombra lineup? And it's hurting them. And now we see the results. Um, I do want to give a shout out to my boy Kareev, who done going oh, like, super sane in this match. <laughs> like, so sick. <laughs> um, he done leveled up. He went over nine thousand on the power meters. He, <laughs> you know, he was gold hair flowing in the wind, man. I mean, absolutely insane matchup match from Kareev. Um, I, you know, he must have just felt the felt the momentum, got his blood boiling, and he was just he was locked in, loaded, and ready to go. Dude, sometimes it's so like I play a lot of basketball. It's my main sport, right? Sometimes you're just in that zone where like everything you let go, you're like it's going in. Yeah. And that I feel like every time he hit the sleep dart, that's what he was thinking. He's like, "This is gonna land." I don't even know who's <laughs> over there. But this is gonna land because he was hitting some sick shots, dude. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Take a breath. Take a breath, man. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday that took your breath away. Um, I'm gonna point out you went zero and four on Sunday. I went, you know, I salvaged the one in three on Sunday. <laughs> but my yes, goodness. Lemmings did not have a favorable week three. Um, I certainly don't. I don't know who would have picked the Shanghai match differently. I'm not mad about some of my earlier losses. Uh, but Sunday was an absolute, absolute crazy fest for me. A cluster fest <laughs> <laughs> for me. That did not did not go well. Put too much faith in Toronto. I felt like Atlanta was finally going to be able to squeeze one out, and they didn't. Lesson learned. <laughs> yes, I'm on. I'm on to week four. Yeah, you're you're definitely on to week four. I mean, I'm not overly happy with my performance, but at the end of the day, it was Sunday that doomed both of us. I just happened to get Saturday right, so that put me in a good spot. <laughs> All right. Well, that will wrap it up for the stage three week three recall. If you enjoyed what we were able to bring to you today, you should subscribe to us on the podcast across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. You should definitely follow us on... I think I had some fire tweets. You did have some fire tweets, man. I was like, yes, retweet. Yes, retweet. Some some, some fire tweets. (laughs) But you can follow us at BreakItDownOWL. We're definitely really strong or or pretty strong during the the games. I think our our in-between... Still working on it. We're still lacking, man. We still, gotta get more pictures because I gotta step my Instagram game up. Like I'm struggling with that. Yeah. I just I never stop to post pictures. We really gotta get we gotta get step our our social media game up in general. We're gonna we're gonna make some adjustments here, like everybody else. For sure, for sure. Uh, you should uh, tune in to the podcast coming up. We're gonna bring you a preview into three four stage three week number four, which is gonna be bananas. So tune in for that because there is gonna be playoffs on the line across the board with all that i hope to see you guys in the next episode